Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. Good morning. And contrary to popular opinion, I am not Moses. I was tempted to come out here dressed in a robe and with a staff and partake. It wasn't going to work. <laughs> My name's Bruce Stoffer, and I happen to be an elder here at the Wilmington Church of Christ, and I do want to welcome you here for our morning service here. This afternoon, we'll also be hosting the Unified Christian Men's Chorus, who will be putting on a patriotic uh, concert as well for in honor of Veterans Day next week. So we'll be... I'll be a part of that as well at 2 o'clock. But this morning, I'm glad you're here not to hear a concert and certainly not to hear a, a, a Moses wannabe, but that you're here to hear the Word of God. A few weeks ago, Dale sent out a text saying, hey, who wants to preach on this date? And I immediately looked at what the scripture was that he wanted to preach on, and I, I wrote back as quickly as I could, I'll do it. Because in Exodus chapter 24, we see the church in the Old Testament. It's a beautiful picture, because they start out by reading the word of God, and then they partake of a meal, and then it says they worshiped. And I thought, there can't be anything more strong as far as an Old Testament passage to preach on at a church on a Sunday morning. Exodus chapter 24 has some of the greatest information here. But before we get into that, let's, let's set the timeline here. Moses is leading out the children of Israel after they've been in Egypt for 400 years. To put that into context for you, 399 years ago, right now, the pilgrims were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. 400 years ago, the House of Burgesses, the oldest official English-speaking government, had just been formed in Virginia. 400 years between Joseph going to Egypt and Moses leading the people out. The culture had changed. The people had changed. And the big difference was they didn't have everything written down about their history. So the people of God, quote unquote, had forgotten a whole lot about what it meant to be followers of God. Moses was leading out of Egypt a bunch of people who really didn't know the God that they claimed to serve. And so it was that when he got to what he recorded in what we know of as Exodus chapter 24, Moses has just explained to the people what God wanted them to do. This morning, I'd like to share that passage with you. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 24, verses 3 to 7. And it says there that when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and the laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote everything that the Lord had said down 
And he got up early the next morning, and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he sent young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood, and he put it into the bulls, and half of it he splashed against the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant, and he read it to the people. And they responded, we will do everything that the Lord has said, and we will obey. I can't imagine what it was like to be Moses. To be able to be on top of a mountain and to hear God say, Moses? Yes, Lord. I mean, just imagine what it would be like to get to hear the word of God spoken to you by him, the one who created everything. It had to have been amazing. It, scripture tells us that when he would come down off of the mountain, Moses' face would glow. And I'm not talking a pregnancy glow. This wasn't some sunburn that he got from being on the beach too long. Moses' face glowed from the presence of God. And I wonder, do our lives ever glow because we've been in the presence of God? Because of the fact of the matter is, we don't have to do some mystic rite, and we don't have to go up on top of some mountain to hear the word of God, to know what God has told us, to understand his word and to have it shared with us because he's given us his word. He has laid it before us. And I can kind of hear it in your own mind because I sit out there every week as well. <sighs> yeah. Another preacher talking about I've got to read the Bible. I'm not telling you to read the Bible. I'm telling you, you have the opportunity of hearing the very voice of God speak to you. If you want to ignore that, you're a, that's your problem. But in my opinion, that's a pretty foolish thing. Now I have to make a confession. I hate confession. I know it's good for the soul and all that, but I hate it. But we're, we're all reading through the Bible as a congregation this year, right? Hint, hint, net, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm certain there are many of you who have been. Unfortunately, I have to confess, I've been one who fell by the wayside. I haven't done it as well. There are several of you that have done it really well there's one person that i know has done it because at the end of every week she sends a text to dale saying dale i finished my reading <laughs> hint hint nudge nudge wink wink kelsey luttrell is kept up the whole year and has been keeping up and telling dale I've gotten mine read, have you? 
And I'll tell you what, it shouldn't surprise me that she has read the scripture like that because she's taught me more about worship in the years I've been here than any preacher ever taught me. Because the fact is, she worships with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, and she really doesn't care what anybody else around her thinks. And I love that. Because I get caught up in what will people think if I get down on my knees? What will people think if I raise my hand? What will people think if I laugh, I smile, or I cry? Reading God's word and worship go hand in hand. And I've seen it in a lot of lives, and I've seen it in Kelsey's. I get to brag on her because she's my fifth cousin. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, though, she's made the effort. How about us? How about you? How about me? When are we going to make the effort? Take the time to hear from God. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes desire on our part. You know, this morning I, I said I wanted to preach on Exodus chapter 4 when I read the passage, and that's because here it tells us that God has established a covenant with us. And that covenant demands that we respond to it. And the proper response to that covenant offer is to worship God. And I want to take this morning and look at those three things. I want to first begin by looking at the fact that the Bible is God's covenant book to us. It's divine in its origin. Um, the other day, Dale, I believe it was, said that the Bible, or the Bible says, and we believe that, that Moses wrote most of the first five books of the Bible, he probably couldn't write all of it because, let's face facts, uh, it records his death. Kind of hard to write down your own death there, isn't it? I have no trouble believing that, that Moses wrote it all. Stop and think about it for a second. Was Moses there when God said, let us make God men in our own image? No. Was Moses there when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden? No. Was Moses there when God shut the door on the ark? No. So if God can tell Moses about the things that happened in the past and have him write those down, why couldn't he say, and Moses, here's the way you're going to end life. You see, the problem isn't with the Scripture. problems with my heart and whether I can truly believe that God can do all things and know all things and reveal all things. The scripture details to us not only the divine truth of God, but it tells us about his desire for us to have a relationship with him. And that's pretty cool. You stop and think about the the author of all creation, the one who spoke all things into being, wants to know you. 
wants to get to know you. He wants to spend time with you, love you, cry with you, have peace with you. That to me just blows my mind that God would want somebody as stupid and foolish as me at times to be his friend, to be there with him, to love him, to serve him. But he has offered a covenant to us. He has said, if you will accept these things, I will be your God. And I will provide for you. In the Old Testament, he said, these things will be so that you will live long and prosper in the land. But today, he's made this offer to us so that we don't have to live long in this land. We can live forever with him in eternity. It's a covenant relationship. It was offered to the Israelites, and sometimes they didn't do such a great job with it. But would you sign that contract with God without reading the details? This isn't like signing over whether or not you'll abide by the software license that you get for your computer. It's not like a, a contract that you never read for that credit card that you signed up for at the mall. This is about the contract for your salvation for all of eternity. Don't you think you might want to know what the clauses all are in it? We need to read it. Study to show ourselves approved unto God workmen who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. This is what we need to know. Have we ever stopped to really think about the fact that the Bible is an agreement contract between you individually and the creator of all the world? He's offered to you salvation. Will you accept it on his terms? Because this covenant is extended from him to you, not about us making changes to it. So we begin this section by reading that Moses came down off the mountain and he read the word of God to the people and they responded. They responded. The Bible demands that we have a response. When Moses finished reading the word of God to the Israelites, he didn't have to poke and prod them. He didn't say, and all God's people said. See? Moses didn't have to do that. He finished reading it, and they looked at him and said, everything that the Lord has said, we are going to do. I don't think I want to say that most days. I got to love my enemies? I got to turn the other cheek? I got to give the God first? Same thing's true today. The offer's out there. Will we accept it? The Israelites proclaimed that they would obey in verse 3 and verse 7. They both, both times they said, we're going to do it, but we all know that they failed miserably. Those poor Israelites. I mean, come on. 
They saw God do miraculous things. They got delivered out of Egypt's bondage. What was their problem? What's our problem? We've been delivered from the bondage of sin and, and eternal damnation. We've been given God's holy word to read for ourselves. And we failed. I failed. God never does. God doesn't fail. God's love never fails. Even when we fail, he still wants us. He still longs for us to come to him. He still looks at us and says, I would love to come up and spit on your cheeks and wipe that mud right off and clean you up and make you my own. And yet we want to sit in the mud pie of this world and say, I'd rather throw dirt at others than lift my hands up to God and say, here I am. Take me. It's a covenant relationship. God's given us his word. It demands a response are we going to lift our hands up to God or are we going to sit there and go, yep, heard that one before too. Because that's really the opportunity and the choice that we have this morning. Are you going to sit there and just go, yep, 11.47, is he ever going to get done? Maybe not. got to be done sometime before two thank you the bible does it makes a demand upon us now the proper response is will you worship god because in romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 it says we therefore beseech ye brothers by the mercy of god that you present yourselves as living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto god which is your spiritual service the Israelites offered up sacrifice in, in response to the word of God. We're to offer up sacrifices too, but it's not a bulls and goats. I, I thought about getting a, a video and putting it up there of how gross that was. But instead, I chose to instead tell you the sacrifice that God desires is you. And your sin-stained life being placed on the altar and saying, I'm done with it. I want to live for you. I want to live for Jesus Christ from this day forward. He wants us to crawl up on the altar. And that's really bizarre to me because of the fact that God already owns us. He created us. I like to make things, and when I make things, even if I give them away, I still think of them as my own. I made that. That's pretty cool. I did that one too. Well, can you imagine what God does? He looks down and he goes, I made you. Oh, wow. I made that one too. Sorry. 
but he made each and every one of us perfect and imperfect as we are warts and all he made us because he wanted us and now he's waiting for one thing your response to present yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto him you understand that when we come forward to say that i want to be a christian we say i want jesus as my lord and savior now we all blow by that first word there we all go to the last word we want jesus christ as our savior but that means we have to embrace him as our Lord. Allow him to be king of our lives. Submit to him on his terms in his way, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Makes perfect sense to me that if you want to follow Jesus Christ, you should have to come before other people and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to have to get in water that doesn't even remove dirt go down underneath it and come back up and it removes all my sin doesn't make any sense to me doesn't have to God asked for it is he your Lord or is he just your wannabe savior one way or the other you can't have one of those two things and not the other. You have to have both. He's given us his word. His word demands a response, and that response is our worship, which Romans explains as us giving our bodies to him, giving of ourselves. He owns us because he created us, and he owns us again because he's redeemed us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And each and every Lord's Day morning, we come to remember that he has bought us again. We meet around the Lord's table every Sunday morning to partake of the emblems that remind us of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for our salvation. We come around this time of communion to partake of these emblems that remind us that we have been purchased with a price. And when you prepare to take this I want you to make certain you're doing it correctly so I'm going to read to you from 1st Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul laid out to the church that was messing it up what God's requirements were for this part of our worship he says there in 1st Corinthians 11 23 to 28 for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord.
if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've submitted to him as he's called you to do, I invite you, the church invites you, Jesus invites you to come partake. But if you haven't recognized who he is, I caution you that you drink and you eat judgment. This morning we were about to partake of the emblems. And I'm not telling you not to partake of it. I'm telling you it's time to get it right with God. Let's ask the Lord's blessing this time. Heavenly Father, Moses and the Israelites gathered together and they partook of a sacrifice and they worshiped. This morning, Father, we partake of these emblems which remind us of the sacrifice that was given for us. The bread that represents the body that was broken and the fruit of the vine that reminds us of the blood that cleanses us of our sins. Father, may we recognize Jesus Christ, your Son, and our Savior as our Lord as well. Bless these emblems and those per who partake of them. And bring us closer to you. In these things I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time.